I'm Bobby. Hey, and I'm Nathan. And this could be a podcast. I'm going to let you do that one all by yourself because you're a big boy now. Thank you. So the Highwaymen, country yeah. super group. If they came before <clears throat> the Traveling Wilburys, then I will retract all my statements. 85-95 is... Hmm. Oh, there's three albums? Here I was Ugh. thinking. It was only one. The four starred in one movie together in 1986 called Stagecoach. Holy shit. Hold on. What was that? Between 96 and 99, Nelson, Christopherson, Cash, and Jennings provided the voice dramatizations for the Louis L'Amour's collection of a four-CD box set of seven Louis L'Amour stories. Are you familiar with Louis L'Amour? I am, <clears throat> I am not, but we, we can circle back. Hold on, because we got to figure out if the Traveling Wilburys just copied <laughs> the Highwayman. <laughs> I need to do some something. soldier. Yeah, I need to that's do some something. Soldier. Uh, Louis Lamorta like wrote a <clears throat> large quantity of dime store cowboy books. Hey. Dime store cowboy. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, okay. I retract all Everything. my statements. I I am sorry. My world is upside down. Traveling Wilburys is. Uh... They came after the Highwaymen. Wow. That's crazy talk. I well, didn't know. Right. The, I didn't know the Wilburys were that late. I I mean, I always imagined that they were. It's a bit twofold because I didn't know that the Highwaymen were that early, right? And I that was about the time I thought the Wilbury started, but uh, no, it clearly had to be a follow up, right? I mean, the Highwaymen have. When I mean, was the second Highwaymen album? When did the second one come out? Because if it came, if the second Highwaymen, nineteen ninety, okay, maybe that was a reaction to the. What we, other supergroups are there? I mean. What, well, I mean, as far I mean, okay, so supergroups are interesting because right there's the supergroups of like the traveling Wilburys and the Highwaymen, where you can name like can you name every traveling Wilbury right now? Uh, Roy Orbison, uh, George Harrison, yep, uh, Tom Petty, yep. Uh, who am I missing? I'm missing. You're missing two of them. Oh gosh, you got one. One Jay. one guy from Minnesota. One guy, you're not helping me here. Oh, uh, he's a poet. Oh, oh, what? Oh, come on, Prince. No, I mean, Prince is a poet, but he was not <laughs> and in for Minnesota. Yeah, it's true. I'm pretty it's sure true. Prince is not in the traveling wheelbarrow. No, but what, what's a what's a poet folk singer from Minnesota? Oh, uh, Bob Dylan, Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan. Okay, and uh, then, right. Um, and then, Sir Leader, uh, creation, uh, mastermind of. ELO and then a lot of Tom Petty. Oh shit! What's his name? Yeah, it, this one's the tough one. This is one. This I one's the Jeopardy name. question. Yeah. Who is the fifth member of the yeah, Traveling Wilburys? I don't know. The Jeff guy. Lynn. Jeff Lynn. Jeff that sounds yeah. And Jeff Lynn, you would. He's he, a produ- He's more of a producer, right? He is, but he was. I mean, he's a lead singer, frontman of ELO. Frontman of ELO. Of ELO. Well, I don't um, know that. But uh, then, I mean, I love ELO for their two songs. Wait, they have at least five But anyway Hits Hits, yeah, they got hits Five hits Yeah It depends on how you uh, look at Mr. Brightside Or not Mr. Brightside uh, Mr. Blue Sky Mr. Blue Sky I would say that's a hit yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a straight up banger well, uh, Maybe See, uh, as an ELO fan I'm, I'm not a huge Mr. Blue Sky fan I, I think Medieval Woman In which you uh, uh, midi- yeah. Medieval God damn it, hold on One second Evil Woman? There's Evil Woman, and then there's... Uh, da, 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 da. 
quickly, quickly, quickly. As we just jump from Jefflin straight to ELO. Because that's what you do. I mean, that's what America needs right now. El Dorado? No. Can't uh, get it out of my head? You would know that song. Strange Magic. And that's the other one. Evil Woman, Strange, Strange Magic. Strange Magic. That gives him over. Oh, Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. For some reason, is <laughs> This up. is a, a very hyperlinked filled wikipedia the man article. has been had his hand oh don't bring me down don't bring me down um another bruce yep so they got a they got a ton of stuff okay i take it back what did i say two you songs? said two and i and i went five <laughs> they probably settled around four. three four i mean because we're looking at mr blue sky you're calling a hit. yeah yeah that's um we're doing don't bring me down we're doing uh, evil woman, evil woman, and strange magic, and strange magic. magic. All right, that's four. So uh, okay. Anyway, but he uh, the but, opening, so back to supergroups. Yeah, back super, to super, oh supergroups, yeah, supergroups. I mean, yeah. like you can name most, most of the people, right? Yes. But when you consider when I bring up a band like Toto, that's also considered a supergroup, or the band oh. like Yes is considered a supergroup. Oh, I didn't know. And if we look up like the band members of Yes. Yes, band. I mean, See, it helps if you throw a wiki when you're searching on the end of it. Why? Because you know you're end, going to end up there. Well, it came right up. It came right up. So, but I if I said Steve Howe, Alan White, Jeff Downs, Billy Sherwood, and John Davison. You I, mean, could, I know you, John Davison, but that's not it. You couldn't give me one of those guys. No, But yes, it's considered not. a super group. So. Yeah. It's, inter- it's an interesting phenomenon. Because we, we, we mainly we were dealing in like in the eighties. Can you name every band that they're a part of? I couldn't name one band that these guys were a part of. But they're considered a super group. A lot of it's because of uh, I, I'm pretty sure, and we can look into it if we if we want to. But that they're uh, they're studio musicians. That yeah. they're oh long well, time. Hold on, we're not talking about like Wrecking Crew here. I mean, we're not talking Wrecking Crew, but like I mean, uh, part of like Led Zeppelin, uh, in a way, is considered a bit of a supergroup because Jimmy Page for so long was a studio guitar player, right? Um, kind of cherry picked the best of the best to form this group, and then mm-hmm. once it happened, now it's not necessarily what I would say is a supergroup in comparison to yes. the Traveling Wilburys or the Highwaymen, right? Where you're like, these are big names getting together and doing and doing this. Is there one more? I mean. Is there another group that is like on par with Highwaymen and uh, Traveling Wilburys? We'll look it up here. Hold on. This is what this is what we're of, here for. List of musical supergroups. Boom. And we're gonna I'm gonna open this in a new tab just in case it doesn't give us Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Mm, nope. Okay, so Cream would be a, an example. Yeah. Um. um again. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Sure. That's, yes, certainly. Yep, yep so that, totally. Jimmy, Led Zeppelin is right there in 1968, where you get these. Uh, I mean, I know Jimmy, I knew Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds. I mean, but Band of Joy is not like something that everybody is like, oh, yeah. Well, at the time. I Listen, here I am. I'm totally removed. And, and me being me, I, I feel like my musical knowledge I would say is better than average. I'm not saying like I'm some kind of savant and I have a full grasp of every musical group that's ever mm-hmm. produced music ever, but okay. I feel like I'm 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 better smarter than the average bear when it comes to musical knowledge. Okay. And I've never heard of Band of Joy. 
Well, and that's fine because a lot of this could be a lot of this is inside baseball and stuff as well. Um, I'm trying to think of Eric Clapton played for. Um, I mean, Eric Clapton was in the Yardbirds. He was in. He was in also in uh, John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Are you familiar with the Blues Breakers? I I think I've heard that just as like a um, trivia question of but, how like of other bands that Eric Clapton's been into. But the, the Blues Breakers, and again, where I go in like kind of inside baseball industry stuff is the Blues Breakers were known as the band, especially after Eric Clapton like rose to stardom. As as he did, the Clapton is God kind of thing. Yeah, that that was out of the Blues Breakers, was hmm. where he that whole Clapton is God thing happened, and then it basically became like a uh, not a funnel, but kind of a a, a way to become a, a guitar sure. God, you know. Yeah. So, um, God damn it, can't remember his name right now. Um, John on. Mayle? No, 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 no. Hold on one second. Uh, Peter Green. Sorry, yeah, I didn't have to look for it. it. So uh, Peter Green, oh yes, he yeah. he was the one that replaced Eric Clapton in the Blues right. Breakers, yes. and then went on to form Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac, uh, right? Which is one of the greatest rock and roll stories yeah. of all time. I think I've sold this story on on the podcast. I don't know if you have, but but uh, it became like a lot of people don't know the Blues Breakers. A lot of people know Fleetwood Mac. A lot of people know Eric Clapton. So again, where sure where sure. you're starting off to sure. get to that point? A lot of people, a lot of people nowadays probably wouldn't recognize. Buffalo Springfield or the Hollies, but they know a couple songs. I know the Hollies. Oh, of course, I'm, 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 that, I'm saying most people. That album. But I'm saying yeah. most people. Though. Most people don't know the Hollies, but they would right. know a song when they heard it, right? So, oh, hey, it's that one that sounds like Fogarty. <laughs> sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that one song. That's CCR, right? Nope. Um, so there's a lot of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer is a progressive band. Those guys. A Grand Funk Railroad. I, uh, I, I'm not familiar with Terry Knight and the Pack, but I am familiar with Question Mark and the Mysterians. Mm-hmm. Question Mark and the Mysterians. They have a interesting uh, story. Do they? Yeah, Question Mark and the Mysterians. Where are you seeing that? Because uh, it, it was Grand Funk Railroad. Uh, the last guy, Mel. Sh- yeah, Question Mark and the Mysterians. They had a. They were a one-hit wonder. Oh, ninety-six tears, right? Nine, yeah, not, yeah, yep. ninety-six tears. Yeah, that's what it was. Odd music video, if I remember correctly. Oh come on! Is there a music video for '96 Tears? There they, is. That's no, there can't be. Like maybe like a studio recording. I remember of... a VH1. Maybe it was a Rolling Stones list of greatest songs of all time. That might be it. If I'm looking at it, listed number, number two ten. Well, that's fucking really. Deep. This that's... might be the best one hit wonders of all time. Yeah, not the greatest songs. Like the idea of like '96 Tears being. 210 on the 500 top 500 songs of all time mm-hmm. nope I mean, it's, well i mean it's hard to quantify of course it's, it's incredibly hard it's one of those things growing up in the age of the best of's or the uh i remember the blah blah blahs um it was i mean it's fun just because it's got like some real fun like oregon stuff to it but that's about well no i mean i'm talking like in general of like Listing, yeah, five hundred no, yeah. best of anything, or I mean, is uh, doing anything like right? That. Uh, deep Derek and the Domino. A lot of Eric Clapton. I mean, again, where Derek I go and back, the Dominoes. What was their song? Layla. Layla. Oh, that wasn't just Eric Clapton. That's Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, it's Derek and the Dominoes. Oh well, fuck. But uh, a lot of that. 
a lot of this stems from like studio musicians that played all the time. And then they finally got a chance to like, come on, come mm-hmm. on the road, you know, or like uh, get together and finally like journey journey. We see here in 1973 journey was very much a super group. I, mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if you're playing with Santana and Steve, yeah, Neil Schoen was basically Santana's yeah. second guitar player. Right. You know? Right. And, uh, Hmm. Bad company. Oh, bad company. Really? Well, you had two guys from free and two guys from bands I've never heard of. But again, there were so many more bands. That's the thing about it. Like there's mm-hmm. obviously going to be these bands you've never heard of. There's also going to be these names you've never M- heard of. Mott and the hot, Mott the hoppy. That but something it, you're familiar with. It doesn't mean though that they weren't, uh, respected musicians in their industry or in their group of people. But, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. The word super group. That's where I'm. That's where I'm bringing a distinction between. There is an odd distinction there between isn't, like there's an super extra group. super group. Yeah, there's like a super group where you can name everybody in the oh, band, right? Or a super group that this is a, com- a combination of musicians that are well respected in the music yes. industry. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I will say, are there, are there bands like the Highwaymen and like Toto? Like I brought up Toto. Like there's what fourteen people in Toto, but they're not listed like. The, I know Toto was for? all studio musicians. They I were know, all studio musicians. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, but bringing up bands like uh, Asia. Yeah, Asia was another one. Yep. Steve Howe of Yes. <laughs> you can't. How can you be a super group from another super group? <laughs> that doesn't. That does not compute. <laughs> it eats itself. <laughs> This is too much. And there, there we get the high men in 1985. Mike and the Mechanics. I never knew Mike and the Mechanics were a super group. No, that's Mike is from Genesis, I guess. No, I don't know. Voice of the Beehive. Then you also get like uh, so the Traveling Wilburys, Mister Big. Interesting. Mm. Golden Smog. Golden Smog was an alt country super group. So you had a lot of. The uh, a couple of dudes from Soul Asylum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Runaway train. That's a lot of Midwestern stuff going back. on right there. Soul Asylum and the replacements are Minneapolis-based bands. And the Jayhawks might actually be Minneapolis-based as well. Oh, they're not a Kansas-based. They're not. <laughs> no, but the Temple that. of the Dog is another. Uh, that was the alternative, uh, or the grunge super. Oh group. yeah, yeah. I uh, remember that. Oh shit! Yeah, with if you steal Chris Cornell anything. and Eddie Vedder. Come yep. on. And Mike McCready. That's crazy, Doc. Yep. The three tenors. What's the Fuck next? off. Uh, fuck off, three tenors. Well, depends on how you look at it. Really? Depends on how you look at it. Down was one where um, that was a big heavy metal super group that I remember. I of. don't remember. Well, I saw down. them uh, over in East Dubuque. Who did they own East Dubuque? Yep. Oh, so really, really flying high. Hey. <laughs> They were really flying high if they were in East Dubuque. You know, this does actually bring in, uh, so Contraband is uh, just leads me into Velvet Revolver was what, probably the newest. I was going to say Chris Cornell, right? Now they're calling, oh, they're calling Foo Fighters a super group. That's, that's a bit of a stretch. That's a stre- that's some problem with this list. I mean, technically you could, technically you could, obviously if you have Dave Grohl, Pat Smear, uh, I mean, Taylor Hawkins, those three alone could definitely make a solid case for a super group coming together much more in the sense of studio, like a studio guys yeah. or like, or, you know, well-respected musicians coming together. But, uh, 
I'm trying to just get to the the newest, the last supergroup that ever existed. <laughs> the last supergroup. What do you think? I mean, uh, I, I'm guessing I mean, Velvet we're, Revolver. We're, we're, I think Velvet Revolver is probably a, a solid choice. Broken Social Scene is most of Canada. so A that's, Perfect Circle. A uh, uh, Perfect Circle was a supergroup for sure. For sure. Oh, yeah. With, uh, Josh Freeze. Yeah. Yep. Oh, James... Eha, who's that? James Eha. He's uh, the bass player in Smashing Pumpkins. He was this, oh. Yeah. It was clear. The Perfect Circle was the guitar tech of Tool. Um, mm. Basically wrote an album and then gave it to Maynard <laughs> Keenan. Yeah. <laughs> Maynard James Keenan. And then they, they were like, oh, this is great. Let's, let's do this. And then it became huge and became its own thing. But he was the guitar tech. Talk um, about, talk about Sami A's. He has a. There's a docu- sommelier. sommelier. There's a there's a documentary about Manukins and his uh, his wine. wine. Yeah, yeah. We and were I, gonna look that up. Where what is a what's I, a beer sommelier? That's a good question. Postal. Oh, oh postal, postal service. service. That's a that's a pretty. That's a good one. That's a pretty. Uh, I was really happy. My wife and I when we went to New York last year, um, we we went and saw Death Cab for Cutie. They were playing in uh, Flushing Meadows. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, at a tennis rink or like a tennis stadium arena. Yeah. yeah arena. It was like, yeah, a stadium, but, um, but Jenny Lewis was opening for death cat for cutie. And I remember we went, I don't there. know who Jenny Lewis is. Uh, Jenny Lewis is in postal service. She's also in a great band called Rilo Kylie. Um, mm. and then she also has Jenny Lewis and the Watson twins. But, uh, mm. but she was opening for, uh, death cat for cutie. I'm yeah. like, Oh, maybe, maybe on the off chance. We can get some postal service, maybe, you know, because yeah. they're one of those bands yeah. that have like they did a couple tours and then they never toured ever again. And no, then and why, I mean, why would you? I mean, there's no reason for it. I mean, it was a fun thing. It's a fun thing. Uh, I think they did. A, I think they did a 10 year reunion tour. No, like a reunion show. Not honestly that like just a reunion like, show after like their, maybe like three nights. Maybe. <laughs> Some, but yeah, rare to see it. Rare to see it. And sure. uh, so when we were there. I was I was hoping the entire night I was like oh that'd be great that'd be good yeah it'd be good and she came out and she did she did a couple songs oh and they did postal service and stuff but it was uh it was like oh well that's it's it's nice when you have things uh that are that scarce that that uh yeah you don't I mean you don't get a lot of chances sure. to see them you don't get a lot of chance to experience them and everything with that so I get that when it comes together it's fun but then we got uh. Swan, um, Swan, Swan. Yeah, that was Billy Corgan's response to a perfect circle. <laughs> um, Velvet Revolver. There we got the last one. Brides of Destruction depends how you want to look at it. Mm. I don't know. Alter Bridge. Ooh, that might be. Depends on what your thoughts on Creed are. I mean, like fourteen-year-old me was way into Creed. Really. Yeah, I mean, just because, like, it it wasn't bad. I, I get what you're to saying. To me, the first time around, mm-hmm. you know, do I want to listen to Creed for the rest of my life? Correct. No, absolutely not. This is where I'm going to shut the list off here. The The Civil Wars are not a super group. They're two people that have no credits to their band. But anyway. Exactly. If your band can't have its own Wikipedia page, you should not have, be listening. <laughs> you should not be listening. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that you just because you were like in a handful of bands does not mean you were in a super group. Oh, uh, them crooked vultures. That's 
That's legit to me. Uh, That's Dave Grohl, John Paul Jones, and Josh Holm. May. Mm, okay. Yeah, never pronounce his na- name right, but. And they released an actual. They did. Um, it's actually very good. Um, are you a big Queens of the Stone Age fan? No. They're fun. They're one of those weird bands that made it through that. I'm more that, of a wolf mother guy. You are? Yeah. That's fine. But, uh, oh, Adams for Peace. I mean, it, as I'm looking at it, there's a ton of these fucking bands. Where you just get together and make an an album. An album. And then if it's big enough, you can go tour on it. Because I remember them Crooked Vultures toured. They there. did. Yeah. They did. I, that sounds familiar. There's a lot of these fucking bands here. But we were talking And you about, say that music's dead. Well, it is. <laughs> oh, what is that nonsense? That doesn't mean... The also, dead daisies? Well, hold on. Supergroups also form out of music dying. Because they're like, no one's listening necessarily to our yeah. same album that we keep putting out or what we're putting out. So maybe if we get together, because I remember that was the whole thing with Velvet Revolver was, well, Guns N' Roses hates each other and they'll never reunite. Stone Temple Pilots hates each other and they'll never reunite. What if they just form a band together? Sure. And then they did. And tr- that Velvet Revolver album, I've been a long time since I listened to it, but it I was, mean, it was, it was solid. really good. And so it definitely made fucking sense. Yeah. Audio Slave was another example of um, Chris Cornell and Soundgarden. They weren't getting back together. Zach De La Rocha and uh, Rage Against the Machine weren't getting back together. Well, why don't those com- those components get together? They can get together and hang and out. And make a fantastic two albums that they made. I think right. two or three. And that's okay. It's great. It was yeah. perfect. It was in. It, I, I'm a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. There's part of me that can't decide between Raging Machine and Audio Slave as far as who's the better super band. Super well, girl. I mean, who made the better, who made the better album? I mean, obviously it's apples and oranges because Raging's Machine is its own thing, especially with the hip hop element of it and everything. Right. But when you add a powerhouse vocal, like Chris Cornell to that incredible threesome, hmm. uh, it's, it's a powerhouse. It's an absolute powerhouse. Are you familiar with teenage time killers? I am not. But Jesus Christ, there's a lot of what them. The, what the fuck? There's there's more people than Slipknot in this band. It's like it might as well be the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. You know what I mean? <laughs> Corey Taylor and Dave Grohl are in it. Yeah. Um, uh, is it? Uh, who's the other one that like really popped? Teenage out? Time Killers. Yeah, I've never heard of that. But then again, I've stopped because music's dead listening to music and, and no I think it's I'm just becoming an old fuddy duddy you know what I mean and I'd rather just listen to, I'd rather just listen does. to the books and the news <laughs> that's what I say in my head uh yeah I guess I don't know I might have to do some independent uh investigation on this yeah hardcore punk sludge metal crossover thrash that makes sense yeah that's something you're into right well it makes sense with the combination of at least Dave Grohl and Corey Taylor that I see. Corey Taylor being the lead like, singer like, of Slipknot. Vocals, 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 vocals. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Well, are you familiar with Probot? Um, no. Is that is that the it's Dave ATM? Grohl. Oh no. I mean, it wasn't like an ATM manufacturer, right? No, Probot is a a a music. It's a it's an album that Dave Grohl wrote and then basically asked his musical idols to if they would sing on the album and kind of like oh. wrote songs for him. He so didn't like, ask me. He never did. No. Really? Yeah. Does he have your new number though? 
I think he knew I moved back yeah. in Mount Seven. Yeah. Well, this was this was Aunt Nine, so. That fucker. Yeah. He never followed up. No, well, Does he owe you money still? <laughs> I here's the deal. Like, Forgiven I debts. I am like big into. Have you ever heard of the Jubilee year? Is that something you've ever heard of? No. It's after like every like twenty years or so. Like all debts are all forgiven. Debts are forgiven. It's a cra- like it's this crazy thing back in uh like back in ancient times and Jewish times, hmm. the Jubilee year where just all debts are forgiven. And I kind of had my own Jubilee year with, with Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Yeah, uh, I wrote an album about it. What was it called? It was called Dave Grohl's Jubilee Year. <laughs> and he's like, I said it to him, and he's like, Hey, is this about that twenty bucks I owe you? And he's like, I'm like. Dude, I mean, you know, when I think about You're So Vain, I bet you think the song's about you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking about you. Right. Right? And this is not about you. This is about yeah. me paying emotional debts. And, and he's like, you ate half that fucking pizza, man. It's not really. That's not how I remember it. Also, I'm not the one who chose to get the super stuffed crust that made it twice as expensive. Oh, it was stuffed crust? That was <laughs> yeah, it. Oh. That, here's the deal. Chicago-style pizza is garbage. Well, that's not stuffed crust, though. It's like what they think it should be, though. We're when getting, I say they, we're getting I mean off the Dave rails. Grohl. Let's get back to Dave Grohl here and owing you money for pizza. I don't know. This is a this is a long list. Uh, there's there's more supergroups than we thought, for sure. My thing is, how many of these would actually hold up to the scrutiny of actual supergroups? Versus just people throwing categories together. Is anybody going through with the fine tooth comb saying this is an actual super group? I mean, I would say let's dive into the analytics of this thing and see the last time this page was edited and by whom. No, uh, it, I think for the most part it is is well compiled. I think the definition itself of super group is is the thing that we're we're up against because again to say again name all the highwaymen. Can you do it? Uh. Johnny Cash. Boom. Waylon Jennings. Gotcha. Chris Christopherson. Cool. And the Redhead Stranger. Boom. All right. So you can that's <laughs> a rare that's a rare. But then again, we were just talking about it and I just remember. I mean Could like, you have done it though beforehand? Um maybe. I think I would have gotten three gotcha. or four. Probably, here's the deal. Waylon Jennings is somebody who's always eluded me. Waylon Jennings is my the dreams. Jeff Lynn of high, the highway man. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's I've been saying that for years. I think you have a t shirt actually. <laughs> I, I think so. It's just like, who are these guys? And it's just a T-shirt of the Traveling Wilburys and the Highwaymen, mm-hmm. and both Jeff Lynn and Waylon Jennings are just like blocked out. Like, <laughs> who are these dudes? No one needs to know. Who Nobody these guys needs are. to know who these guys are. But those are rare examples of what a supergroup is—a legitimate Be- supergroup. I would, yeah. I mean, or maybe if you want to create a new. Uh, a new word for it, you know, an extra super group or a super duper group. Super like duper group super probably duper is group. better fitting. Yeah. Quite frankly, compared to. Cause I do think you, but the idea of having like a studio musician, having those, those worlds come together, especially back in the late sixties, seventies, when you'd hear these guys a lot. And probably why Eric Clapton shows up so much on this, this list is these are the guys you're working with when you're always Eric Clapton, you know, yeah. and so-and-so, yeah. you know, um, it's kind of John Mayer kind of did a little bit of that, bringing out bringing out these guys that he's worked with because he's always John Mayer. And I know yeah. we talked about Dave Matthews Band before, not the 
I brought up Dave Matthews. Sorry, that, that's on me. That's on you. That's on. Me. I think it's. Fun. I think it's interesting. Not funny. I think it's interesting that the list of supergroups starts with Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons in 1960s. Now, Frankie Valley of the Four Lovers and Bob Giadio of the Royal, Royal Teens. I don't. I'm not going to recognize that. I've watched Jersey Boys. But whether you recognize the name of the band is not important. I'll go back to that. It's not the... I think it is. But... Just because you've had a shitty... Almost every single... I'll agree with you on the hyperlink. If your band doesn't have a hyperlink, I'll agree with that. But if your band has a hyperlink, it's not on you to know that band. Or not on... Not for you to decide. Okay. Pull up the four lovers. Okay. Well, Frankie Valley was in it, so they Frankie. were already famous because Frankie Valley was in it. That's that's okay. how that thing works. Okay. All right. I take this all back. Okay. I take it all back. I was. They were ex- signed to RCA from 1956 to 1958. I was expecting this to be like a garbage dump of a uh, Wikipedia page. Uh, allowed them to record individually and collectively, which they did under a handful of stage names. What's your thoughts on stage names? Um, as somebody with the last name that I have, I think it's uh, understandable. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, do you, you I mean, hold on. You've got a stage name. Uh, technically, yeah, yeah. Define technically. Well, it's, I mean, it's either you do or you don't, motherfucker. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, well, hold on, wait, because it says here uh, a pseudonym or alias is a fictitious name that a person or a group assumes for a particular purpose which differs from the original or true name. But but my yeah. my stage name is just my middle name. Like um, I just took my first name and then my last name. So my middle name is Bradford. And then, and then like I the name put, of the dog you had on your first street. None of that. None of that. Oh, so right, I just did right. my first name and then Bradford. So it's Bobby Bradford. And it was just easier. Mm. Cuz again like you I have a last name where it's like it doesn't It's like, not hold that on. It's, there's a difference between Shram and Rebarger. Just, yeah. Let's I mean just, I know one is <laughs> But one is impronounceable the way I pronounce it. The other one just happened to have a second M. Correct. It's still difficult <laughs> for people to understand. I understand it's the plight of me trying to <laughs> like explain my right. my difficulty of life, right. like living with Shram as my last name versus you living life with. Yeah, I thought about Rebarger. Rebarger. That's yeah. how we pronounce it. Is Rebarger. Yeah. Even though it's spelled R I P P E R G E R. So I know I don't understand. I don't have the same. You don't. Uh, you know, the hurdle. It's a hurdle. Yeah. It's a the cross eye bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just being me. But we can all agree, Bradford's easier. Like you see it in your brain. Yeah, Bobby Bradford. I get it. Right there. Bobby Brown Sugar Bradford. <laughs> Brown Sugar. Well, that's if we start our, our <laughs> your baked, baked beans, beans cooking competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I just want to take back Brown Sugar as a nickname. Oh, I mean, I get that. Yeah. And, and I and or I or bring it back. That. I guess. I, I don't know who's. Like, is there another brown sugar out there? I don't think so. I mean, there's only that Rolling Stone sun. Yeah, there's that. So technically, yes. Do I have a stage name? Yes, but it's yes. not technically what a stage name is. It's not a. It's not like my first animal's it's, name. It is fictitious. My, my street name that I lived on. Right. I thought about it's like, not fictitious. That's my legal name. Yeah, but you're omitting a part of it, your legal name. Where where does it state that I need to say my full name to Everybody anybody? Everybody needs to go by their full legal name. What's your middle name? James. 
son James. So if you went by Nathan James, yeah, I, I, me like in my delusions of grandeur as a child, mm-hmm. and when I'd become a famous actor, uh, you know, it's like, I, you know, I thought about you know taking my mother's, don't everybody, hey, don't guess my passwords or try to steal my bank account. <laughs> my my mother's maiden name was Griffin. Okay. And I thought James Griffin had a decent ring to it. Oh, it does, yeah. yeah. Uh, not Jim. Not, not Jimmy? Jim. Not Jimmy. James. Because you're a respected actor. <laughs> right. James Griffin. James Griffin. In this new movie. Uh, right. I thought it was a decent name. Yeah. Jim Griffin uh, sounds like a bit actor. Right. Like on. I'm, prob- that's prob- Jim- I'm probably more of a Jim Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> well, nah, you, you're no, leaving room. Real. You're leaving room <laughs> right. to like open up. Right. You know? I'm, yeah, I'm just going to be honest. I'm like, I'm Bill Burr of- always talks about uh, being that time in this, like in the mid 90s, late 90s, that yeah. he was he was Billy Burr because that's what he thought would sell and or his oh. agent thought would sell. And, and then the pivotal moment where he decided, because he had success. It's, it's weird when you. Mm. You know, because he was he was Billy Burr, right? So, and he had success. He got. Oh, I'm not even familiar with his Billy Burr stage. I mean, he he got picked up for a show on ABC as Billy Burr, and um, oh, he's got a weird little story about going out to L.A. like initially before he really hit it as as uh, what most people know. Right now, yeah, where most people know him. So pre, he basically got a little bit famous. Yeah, pre Chappelle. Yep, absolutely pre Chappelle. He got a little bit famous, and then he. Fell all the way to the bottom. What an injury! I'm, like, and that's when he moved back to New York, and uh, and then he 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 was like, "I'm not being Billy Burr anymore. I'm going to be Bill Burr." And like that little change. That's interesting. That's where he had. I mean, within a five year span, had the Philadelphia. Um, the Philadelphia incident. Incident. Where, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. As someone who has had a taste of a success. Dare he's, I say he's got a book on Amazon? Folks, I got a book on Amazon. I mean, check it out. And, and I've like I can't imagine, and I and I feel like I'm somewhat of an like a realist <laughs> when it's like I'm like this is all gonna fucking come crashing down at any point. But the idea of like having that taste of success, yeah, and having it ripped away, and my success is nothing close to having a fucking sitcom deal right with ABC, ABC yeah that's totally totally different but it's just like it is it it is slightly disheartening oh it would fuck with you I'm I'm uh, sure it would especially when it's your your brand your name everything's attached to it right it's one thing to be on a show that failed it's another thing to like be a comedian that has to go out and uh you know I remember there was a David Cross uh uh, David Cross stand-up special that we watched uh, that he did many years after Arrested Development, and he started. Oh. It, he was on Netflix. Uh, I forget. I forget what it was called, but basically, he just started shitting on you know Democrats or whatever the fuck he was shitting on, and people in Texas like started getting up and walking away, oh. basically thinking that they were showing up to see Tobias do like jokes and like cutoffs and everything like that. And he like <laughs> referenced that. So to couple your your famous persona that mm. people have of you to be able to take it out. It's a weird thing. Like we were talking last week about Grey's Anatomy or anything like that. Like nobody in Grey's Anatomy needs to go out and be another person to facilitate another sure. aspect of sure. their career. Right. Right. You right. Just right, be right. that person the, the entire time. And then, Oh uh, yeah, I but get that. To be, but to be a comedian and then go out and just do and that. Fuck, and that's the, like for me, uh, when you were talking about like Bill Burr earlier, it, it reminded me of like John Mulaney. So John Mulaney, had his he was he had his own show on Fox, yeah, and it just looked 
it looked fucking awful. It just looked like garbage. Mm-hmm. Your standard. I mean, honestly, if it was on CBS, it might have worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just looked so absolutely dumb. And I'm like, and that was like my first experience with. This is pre SNL, or is no, this, post, this is post, post SNL. SNL. Uh, and he, I'm like, oh, this is um. This this is like my first time I've been exposed to John Mulaney mm-hmm. as a person and like as an identity. And then when everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, oh, his stand up's hilarious. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not something I'm familiar with at all. Mm-hmm. I literally only know him from this 30 second spot that right. I was shown on YouTube or Hulu mm-hmm. 30 times. Um And I want none of that. You want nothing to do with and that. And it, it was just totally different. Like. Like his persona in that television show of the 30 second commercial I saw 30 times mm-hmm. is nothing like what I saw in his stand up, which, and I, and I enjoy his stand up. I, I know you don't particularly care for it. I don't uh, know if it's a cadence thing or, or what. But I, I, I respect him as a writer for sure. His stand up doesn't bother me. It's not my go to or not a. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to show it to other people and sit down and watch it with them. But yeah. I've watched. Most, if not all, of his stand-up. Hmm. Hmm. But I respect the hell out of him as a writer. I really do. I, I think I think he's hilarious. I, there's something I don't know. He he clicks with me. Well, as far as his comedy, his approach to comedy, yeah. like I for sure I, I agree with that. I wonder, and this is the whole thing. A lot of people have to understand. It's 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 part of what's your role on the team. You know, what's your mm. where mm. you know not everyone can be the quarterback. You not everyone you know can be the star of the team. Some people need to you know. He's a pretty straight guy. Get the runner over. He is, Um, and so he makes a good. He makes a good straight. And I and I don't want to really make it sound like I don't think he does a good job of. You don't like him in moments personally. (laughs) He does not owe me money. Bobby lives at this point. (laughs) We split. Oh, you went Dutch the whole way. We split that stuffed crust cheese pizza. How many cocktails did you get versus him? Well, That's my question. He's John Mulaney, so he gets some for free just because. Oh, you know. oh! Did he kick one down to you? Not one. And how about um, one for my friend here, <laughs> sir? I'm sorry. Only John Mulaney gets extra drinks for free. And but the thing about John Mulaney though too is like it's not always his stand up or his acting because like I love the documentary now where he plays the record producer <laughs> and uh, great uh, straight co op. It's perfect. It's great. And Excellent. It's one of my favorite documentary nows. And uh, so, again, I don't want to shit on him at all because I really he's attached to a lot of things that I that really enjoy. Yeah. yeah. So his delivery as a stand up. I mean, I'm not going to cherry pick and be like, oh, yeah, I don't like that guy at all. I'm like, But you don't like his stand up. It's not as funny as his other work. If that's if, how can I say it politically? I don't know. I don't know. What did you think of his children's show? I thought his children's show was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, but that's, it's in my, in my, like, this is fucking God awful. I need to, I need to shut this off. Yeah. Never. I'm never like that, but also, it's not, like, I think you should leave. It's not, I think you should leave. It's also not like, uh, I, again, like I, I go back to like knowing your role, knowing the, like, is John Mulaney a great asset to have on a writing team? Absolutely. Probably. I'm yeah, guessing. As, absolutely. Is he the vehicle that has the it factor that carries the on-screen persona? Because I think that's another thing. Like, 
I yeah. going personally into my own creative world and uh, what yeah. what I've experienced and everything like that. I mean, I've been in, are being, you a John Mulaney? Being in many bands, being in many bands though. How like, many supergroups though? Zero super. Well, it depends on what you talk about supergroups. <laughs> Regional supergroup. <laughs> Regional supergroup. Bobby Shram. Might be Bobby Bradford actually. Oh, there's uh, Bobby. <laughs> so, uh, but it depends though. Like knowing your role. Like I remember. When I, you know, first joined bands and everything like that, um, there's always the tug and the the tug of war about who's going to be the the star, right? Who's going to be sure. the front man? Who's sure. going to be? And if someone's the front man, I remember our band dynamic that we had when I joined. Um, I I could play guitar pretty well, as we talked about last week. Like yeah. I, I worked really hard to play guitar even better sure. while I was playing the band. Yeah. But I came in not having songs written or anything like that, not really even knowing how to write songs. So I was learning all that as we were going and everything with that. Yeah. And uh, so our lead singer could sing really well. Gordon right? Lightfoot. Gordon Lightfoot was not our lead singer. That would be a true super group. <laughs> but I knew going into that band, like, well, I don't need to be the lead singer of this band because we have a really good lead singer. Right. So my goal, my job in this band is to be the lead guitar player yeah, and then to contribute elsewhere when I can. So yeah. I can write songs or, or I'm going to try to write songs and everything like that, or find the right harmony, try to be a better lead, a backup singer and everything like that. But again, like knowing your role, but there's a lot of bands go through it where, and I'm sure a lot of like productive, creative teams go through it. It's who's going to be the star, right? Who's going to be the center center of attention. Right. And bands probably more so than production teams go through it, but I mean, who's the star in this production team? That's a real question. I know you think you do, but <laughs> I, me understanding my role, I'm just going to be yeah. a straight man over here, <laughs> trying to keep things serious and uh, you know not too far off the rails. Yeah, no, I get that. But you no, don't want to dive into a fictional scenario where Dave Grohl owes me money for stuffed crust pizza, and he. I feel like I did. <laughs> I feel oh, like I did. You did. Yeah. You did lean into that, didn't yeah. you? I did. Just I did stringing me along. Just played me like some kind of fiddle, huh? Well, I understand my role in this band, <laughs> so I'm just playing into it. But I do think I do think that's there's a lot of it, and then obviously sure. enough success. I mean, yeah. in all seriousness, in all yeah, seriousness, I'm listening. Like there okay. is a there is a growth that happens, like where you're so successful. I think Seth Meyers is another example of like. I find he is a funny writer. I don't necessarily find his humor funny. Like how he how he presents his humor. He's not a good. I don't. I, he's got garbage delivery. So, but he's attached to a lot of things that I find are funny. And mm-hmm. so, whether he's a fly in the fly on the wall or contributing heavily, I, I don't know. But I can say that he's a, attached to a lot of things I find are funny. And then you want to talk when, about a true Renaissance man? Let's talk about Bill Hader. Exactly. I mean, like that guy. I mean, he he can write and he mm-hmm. can act. Yep. Singing is, I don't know if he can actually sing. Yeah. Have you ever seen Skeleton Twins? I mean, oh, he can lip sync like a motherfucker. He can lip sync. He can lip sync like a motherfucker. And with the Blue Jean Committee, the Denim Committee. He can sing jean? real high. So I got that going for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like, I fell into But him and Fred Armisen, like, that's, that's that whole, like, writing crew kind of we're looking at, like, um, John Mulaney, Seth Meyers, Bill Hader, and Fred Armisen. They, I mean, that's all documentary now crew right, right there. Right. Um, and I love that show. I find I, it's one of my favorites, and it's so so good. underappreciated. It's so good. Um, and maybe it's just because, and that might be just like you the link, be, link between you and I, where it is forced to watch 
documentary movies in a, in an academic setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just, hey, oh. Like, we're going to watch Thin Blue Line tonight or today. I recognize that trope. I recognize. Right. And, and, the, and the, the tropes have an origin. I, I find that so, I find that so interesting. Um, like, when you see the first movie that, you know, did a thing. Or, like, this is a classic movie because mm-hmm. of X, Y, and Z. I remember the first time I watched Bullet starring Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, this has the best car chase ever like ever. this car chase it broke new ground mm-hmm. and the first time i watched it, i'm like this is boring as fuck mm-hmm. same uh, french connections same way same thing is mm-hmm. like this is well i remember like oh what was it it was uh it was jason Bourne, the Bourne identity the, the, like this is the best car chase since the french identity no, the french it's, connection french connection mm-hmm. the french identity is a movie <laughs> we should make though uh, no, that's already a movie. It's a, it's a very soft core porn. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, then I'm like, as I'm growing and I'm expanding my taste, I'm like, oh, the, oh, the French connection. Mm-hmm. I remember that being talked about and the boring identity is a really good car chase. Then I watch that. I'm like, this is kind of boring as fuck. Mm-hmm. And so like those things where it is literally, you know, the first time you, see something honestly the only the first like the only movie that i've been forced to watch and like this is a classic movie that i still found like majority of it entertaining was honestly citizen kane Mm -hmm. i I, I mean i can't tell you why Uh, i enjoyed citizen kane over so many uh, other you know uh i'm trying to remember what was the one that bill and ted ripped off um with playing against the devil uh playing against death anyhow okay it doesn't matter but the first time you see tropes um, in their original context, it just, it feels so bland. I think, you know, lo- you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of that's due to the hype around it. Like I always say that, you know, they're like, if you could see any band at any point, you could see any band nowadays, who would you see? And a lot of people go like, Oh, the stones love the stones or like some, you know, yeah. whatever mythological band. I bet know. they were boring as fuck. I compared to like compared to that clip of Slipknot you showed me the other day. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, the stage production of Slipknot now versus then. But but I bet the people that saw the Rolling Stones back in the late 60s, 70s, early 70s and mid 70s, Mm -hmm. even the late 70s and like any time in that time period, I bet it was the the most amazing show you've ever seen. Right. So therefore, in your mind, I remember the in there's a tangent, but when we were recording our first album. Um, Neil Young was playing in Minneapolis when we were up there and I had a chance to go like I didn't have a ton of money in my name, but I, I went out and like hung out in an Applebee's bar and was like kind of figuring out if I should go and see Neil Young was a big inspiration to me. I like wanted to see him, but like didn't have a ton of like extra cash to spend on stuff. And so I kind of went into this the bar to kind of like hang out and just wait it out a little bit. And the bar was lined with people that were going to the show. So and oh. I, they were just all talking and we ended up all talking together and they're like, oh no, man, you got to go. You got to go. It's, it's going to be the greatest man. It's going to be the greatest experience ever. And then this other, this other like faction of the people that I was with started talking about the Rolling Stones, like how great of a show it is and everything like that. And it's like, okay. And then I ended up going to the show and it was a great show, but does it compare to the first time that you saw him? Does it compare to the time that they were in their heyday? Like when you experienced them, because I can imagine being a, like a 17, 18 year old kid going to see the Rolling Stones, you know, in Cincinnati. Right. And I've seen some video of it. And I'm like, 
oh, I can imagine how that'd be life changing. And it would never be the same. So I can imagine going and watching um, something like Bullet or French Connection or any any movie where you're like, that's blown me away. I mean, for me personally, when Dark Knight came out and I went and saw that and was like, well, that's the greatest acting I've ever seen in my life by Heath (laughs) Ledger. Like, you just killed it. And to this day, I'll be like, I'll throw that up there against any other great acting that's ever happened. I mean, he disappeared into the role. Now, is that me in my time, like living, living sure. it, experiencing it at that right age, right, uh, right moment in time? Yeah. Um, so does it does it hold up in 20, 30 years when people are like when I'm like, this is some of the best acting you'll ever see? I Go. imagine Dark Knight would still hold up in 30 years. I'd hope so. But again, like you and I, I mean, did you see that in theaters? I mean, I did. I went to a, I went to a midnight screening. I went to a midnight screening of Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was living in with my in laws, and just somebody put it on Facebook like a friend who's kind of like in the periphery. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it was more of a friend of a friend, and we hung. You know, hey, we hung out like plenty of time as a group, but like never like. Just one on one hangout, right? Let's go to a movie together at midnight. And it's like, he's like, gonna go see Batman Begins at midnight. Who wants to go? Mm-hmm. Nobody else said anything. I'm like, well, I do. Fuck yeah. So we went and like got drunk, had a like pitcher of beer at the Lux Club, and mm-hmm. and then went watch, went watch the Dark Knight, and then uh, I mean watch Batman Begins, and then Dark Knight came out, and I said, well, I'm gonna go watch this movie. I went my, with my brother. And I think we also went and drank a pitcher of beer before at <laughs> no, the Lux Club. <laughs> Did not see the Dark Knight Rises in the theater. <laughs> I, I saw the Dark Knight Rises. I saw all, all of them in theaters. But like, I would I would say that like your experience in that moment. Part of the people that were telling us that like Bullet and French Connection were the greatest yes. of X Y Z. Most of film school that you go through is people. Yeah. Other people telling you why this is great, and then when you're watching, it was like. Well, I'm not experiencing it the way that you're that you experienced it, or the way that you think I should experience that. My my thing, which is, is a, a huge thing. My my thing is with the French Connection and Bullet is that I I've seen this movie a hundred times over. You've seen derivatives of it. I've seen derivatives mm-hmm. of this movie a hundred times over, and seeing the original doesn't do anything. Doesn't it? Like it is well within the boundaries of the watered down derivatives that I've mm-hmm. seen. Yep. So, and it's just, and it's lost. Mm-hmm. It, it's not so, it's not groundbreaking for me. Well, I'll, I'll keep, I, I hate to keep making like a musical analogy no, to it, but it's like, fine. you know, like when. Relate to what works for you. Well, I'm just saying because when like the kinks come out and basically invent distortion because of a broken amp. Yeah. You know, when you're like, Oh, what's that sound? Or you go even back to like, you know, um, uh, the Beatles were the first ones who ever have re, uh, re, uh, what's, uh, what's the word? Not distortion. Not distortion. First one to have Reaver? feedback. Feedback. Fe- yeah. The first feedback ever recorded was a Beatles song. I yeah. I remember what it was. If you're looking at just, you know, times that you've experienced telling a kid that, Oh, the, the kinks were important because they did this yeah. and you're like, okay, well I don't care. Like, there's so many other bands that have done so much I've more with v- it. I've heard plenty right. of times. But again, to be that first generation or even yeah. like a couple generations removed to be like, oh man, I've never, what's that sound? I always go back, Jimi Hendrix is another good example mm. of, yeah. Jimi Hendrix played guitar in a way that no one else played guitar. That's, Jimi Hendrix aging probably would have been 
much more mundane or not as fantastic. He wouldn't be on shirts at Target had Jimi Hendrix just aged normally. You think he'd be closer to Bob Dylan? I think he'd be closer. You think he'd be closer to Bob Dylan or do you think he'd be closer to, I don't know, Steve Perry? I I mean, not Steve. I mean, like Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. Look, you're not seeing Eric Clapton on T-shirts at Target. Okay. But you are seeing Jimi Hendrix because because he. Well, honestly, well, that being said, those Eric Clapton was not as I, I, I guess I say that without having absolutely any knowledge. I, when I think of flamboyant performances and, and just like absolutely going nuts, I, I don't think of Eric Clapton. I mean, I think of extremely talented musician. I don't think of Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock. You know, I mean, I think those are, I mean, those sure. are two different sure. level of performances and, and one having much more flair and uh, flamboyancy. I, I mean, yeah, you're tell, not wrong. Tell me, you're okay. not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong, but uh, technical proficiency on both ends for sure. Absolutely. Yes. yes. But the, uh, but again, like uh, they always have the story, uh, Paul McCartney, I think tells it where they, he was invited to go watch this guitar player at uh, this little club by Keith Richards invited him. And Eric Clapton was there and a bunch of other fucking people were there. And he's like, who the fuck's this guy? And it was Jimi Hendrix playing. Yeah. Like, cause Jimi Hendrix got big in London before he got big in America. Yes. Yeah. So it was when he was a nobody and he was like, blew, blew us this away. This is it. This is the guy. Right. So that experience alone is so unique into that self. And then it's Jimi Hendrix. I like, I know a guy that saw Jimi Hendrix. So when he told me that he saw Jimi Hendrix, I was like, tell me about it. Because I want to know, because you can't... He was high the whole time. He barely had a concept of space and time where he was at. No, but... Um, no, but I mean, but it was still a pretty good show. No, the, the, the story was that he was amazing. It was great and blew his head off. Like, you know, it's like, it's... You got to experience it at a time and a place. You got to experience that when nobody else can even come close to it. Like, there's you can get derivatives of it. Like, I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. I know John Frusciante, the guitar player of the Chili Peppers, is he's by his own admission just a derivative of Jimi Hendrix. I mean, hmm. yeah. that's what his inspiration is. That's what he's that's what he's going off of. And there's countless guitar players that do that. And like when Eddie Van Halen passes away, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's really sad that he passed away." It's like absolutely because really up until Eddie Van Halen, nobody nobody sounded like Eddie Van Halen. Nobody sounded like Eddie Van Halen, which he broke is, new ground. Which is a rare thing to do. So to experience that, and we, in our generation, all, like maybe we got the very back end of understanding how yeah. Eddie Van Halen did it, of uh, how Eddie Van Halen changed guitar. That's if you like do your own research and do your like if you get into that kind of music. Yeah. But I know for I know for a fact it's really hard to experience the things that you experience in your time and place for those to translate to other generations. Sure. Two or three generations removed is nearly impossible. Right. I get that. So did your time when you watched Neil Young, did it hold up? Was it worth it? Like, did it blow your mind? Did it shake your reality to its very core? Well, uh, and when you walked away, you're like, Oh my God, I have just like been a part of some kind of, something that's transitioned me to a different and better and higher being. Um, it's interesting because when you, in this day and age, when we're living, you know, right now where yeah. we can't go see people or, you know, bands aren't performing. I'm super thankful for the amount of people I have seen and 
like comedians and musicians and everything. Robert Zemeckis. Exactly, right. Every time I see Forrest Gump, I'm like, thank God. Um, But, uh, fuck, we watched one movie where he surprisingly directed it. Anyway, tangent. Polar Express? No, I'll come back to it. We'll circle back. Um, But when when I went and saw... Castaway? It wasn't Castaway. I know he did that one. Um, We... (laughs) You just gonna keep fucking saying Robert's like not good movies, aren't you? Um, when Back to the Future. No. <laughs> so when I went to see Neil Young, that's about it. That's all I got. That's all you got. It was a crazy movie. Yeah, he, he, had a cu- he had a couple more. He had a couple of doozies where it's like, oh wow, he directed this movie. Okay. Um, but so he was Captain playing Phillips. He, no, so he was Neil Young was playing on the. Uh, I think he did that. Okay, the joke's gone. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear this. So he's playing at the University of Minnesota, playing on the campus. Oh, yeah. I was at, I uh, I didn't have a car. I was staying at my buddy's place, um, mm-hmm. or like didn't want to drive down. Buddy, but buddy, yeah. He was helping us record the album and everything with that. Yeah. So we we were there. So I walked down number of hours before the show because was like uh, I'm gonna try to scalp a ticket. It's pretty much sold out. I went to the box office. There was a couple of tickets for sale for way too much money. And I was like, okay, I'll get down there early. I don't know the scalping situation on a campus sure, right, you know like right. what it what it's like so i got there early no scalpers whatsoever that's where i went to that applebee's and hung out and talked i to was questioning guys. the applebee's part of the conversation that's that's the only thing that, that was the closest thing available that's what i went to it's like and then i just went to applebee's i, I mean i know you and your fondness of carlos O'Kelly's. so it's just like only as an well, occupation <laughs> <laughs> hold on but you you've eaten Carlos O'Kelly's in my presence more than once. That's not true at all. No, no, you've gotten no. Carlos O'Kelly's or maybe you've just mentioned that you've gotten Carlos O'Kelly's. When was the last time you ordered Carlos O'Kelly's ordered? Yes. Uh, I probably did it for one, delivery once within the calendar year and incredibly disappointed. But before I, that, I worked at a Carlos O'Kelly's for about two weeks. Before. Yeah, I know that. Okay. I swear you. Okay. No, no, no. I am not a Carlos O'Kelly's advocate. No. Okay. No, no. Nor am I an Applebee's advocate, but yeah. when it's the only place I can find. With, sure. or, to scalp tickets. Let's, let's be fair. It was the first place I found to be able to go. <laughs> okay. Let's just say that. Okay. Was, I wasn't really. I wasn't hunting. I didn't like pass the Applebee's. I'm like, uh, we'll go find someplace else. No, there's not another place. I'm sure there's another place. I went to an Applebee's. <laughs> so happened to be there. And then found found my people. That weren't so already so happy to be there pre-gaming for this Neil Young show. What do you think that says about Neil Young people, though? Well, they're like a two for 20, just like anybody else, you know? <laughs> so here I was searching for a great deal. Anyway, so I go to Applebee's. And it, it was. It was because I ran into those people. Because cause I, I was on the fence of like, you know what? Like, if it's not going to work out, then I just I won't see yeah. him. I won't see yeah. him. That's fine. Right. I'll, just, I'll go in here. I'll hang out. Because, again, I was on the fence even if I was going to find... A ticket, you know, if like if sure. the tickets are going to be like one fifty. I think the two that were available were like in the two twenties or something like Ugh. that. Because it was just Neil Young by himself solo show, probably, probably five, five to seven thousand seat venue, maybe. Oh, so okay. into intimate show a, a little bit, and so I was like that okay. mid range. That I mean, yeah, yeah, you know where you don't know what you're going to find. Like obviously, I missed the boat on getting the tickets. Uh, there was like four available, so. right? Um, but when I ran into those guys and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, no, like it's, it's a great show. It's a great, like he's, he's the best. You gotta, you gotta see him if you can. I'm like, okay. You know, so that put me in kind of a mindset of like, oh, as soon as I find something, I'm going to take it. And which is my worst scalping situation I've ever been in. And I've been in a number of them, 
So I like I go towards the venue now once people are starting to come in. Literally the first scalper that comes up to me, like, hey, I got t- you look for tickets. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you selling for? Eighty bucks. I'm like, all right, cool. That, that's great. No negotiating, no back and <laughs> forth, no whatsoever. I'm like, here's eighty bucks. I'm like, oh fuck, I probably should have like gone. Haggled try, a little just bit. Like I've try, done, Bobby. I've done this before. I've done this just multiple try, times just before. Try. I just it was like, yeah, that's great. Yep, the people at the Applebee's really got into your they head. really got into my head. So <laughs> I'm like, here's 80 bucks. I'm like, fuck, I didn't even like try to ask even try. where the, I didn't even ask to see the tickets. I just gave him 80 bucks. Like could have like held out a little bit. A little bit. That's why I love scalping these uh Old geezers, nobody, just nobody, everybody just coming here. If they're ready to throw down money, they're not even going to look. And this is after, I mean, I've had some great scalping experiences where I've gotten tremendous deals, but maybe it was, you know, make up for it and everything. But so I was, I was pretty, pretty nosebleeds, but uh, still was a small enough. $80 nosebleed? 80 bucks. Yeah. It was the the amount I paid. And look, he wasn't an ant on the stage, but I wasn't, you know, looking at his nostril hairs either. So sure. Sure. But uh, worth it, for sure. Yeah. Glad I did it. Because I want to say that's about the size of Five Flags, right? I mean, Five Flags, mm-hmm. I think that's... Our local venue. Yep. Yeah, I want to say that's close to... Mm-hmm. I want to say that can get up to eight, I want to say, if it's full floor. Maybe. No no reserved seating on the floor, just open floor. Maybe. Yeah. I want to I say. But it was, uh, again, a situation in, in now these these unprecedented days make me appreciative of all those of all those uh bands sure. i've seen and especially when well like when prince died and dave bowie died and tom petty died well within like three years of each other i was like was nah. that a suicide pact or am i crazy like the oddest suicide pact ever yeah like we're all gonna die of fentanyl <laughs> we're just gonna slightly overtake it it's really yeah uh probably the biggest concert i've ever seen was neil diamond that was probably oh the other neil yeah, the other Neil. I went yeah. and saw Neil Diamond at uh, Hilton Coliseum. I mean, we all make choices, so. Yeah, I mean, I was 19, mm-hmm. 19, and really into Neil Diamond, and uh, hell of a hell of an entertainer. It was a good show. I mean, we were fairly nosy. How much did you pay for uh, Neil Diamond? Well, I don't remember because it was my mother who bought tickets, and she said she wanted me to pay. But hold on. Do I still have that ticket stub? Oh, well, if you have that I, ticket I, stub just in your pocket. Because I'm that. Or did I get rid of them? Oh, no, they're still there. I, Hold on. This is an inside exclusive. How much? Because this is back when they would print this the, is, the price on the ticket. Here's a ticket stub to go see Not A Surf. Iowa's own. Iowa's own, Not A Surf. And at the and that was at Iowa City as That's well. That's not no, Neil Diamond, though, so move this on. This is a ticket to the monorail in no one cares. Mo- Seattle. Move on. And then here's Neil Diamond. Okay. Oh, fuck. How much do you think I paid for this ticket uh, to go see Neil Diamond? Uh, can, can you pull up Hilton Coliseum? Hilton Coliseum. In Ames? Oh, yeah. I saw a perfect circle at Hilton Coliseum. Let's see here. That's a top callback to our earlier discussion of super groups. <laughs> Let's see here. I was in section B1. Okay. My version of Jamie isn't as good as his. Yeah, you're very slow. Shut no, the No, you want to go to seating up. chart. Go to like seating chart. 
Um, Ticketmaster, sure. Hold yeah, on. sure. It's a fourteen thousand seater. Uh, oh, it's, oh, really? That's it. That's what it said. Mm. Let's go layout here. Hold on. Yeah, that's, that's really why I open a new tab. Ba 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 bum. Let's go seating capacity here. Nice. Or seating chart. Yeah. SeatGeek. Here, SeatGeek. Will... Yeah, SeatGeek's going to get you there. Or actually, all these images that we're seeing in the front actually probably would. Oh, so, oh that's. That's for a basketball game, bro. That's for a basketball game. Which they're allowing at like a third capacity? Yeah, I, I wonder what section B1 would be on this. Oh, here, here's a stage layout. Stage layout. B one, okay. Okay. B one, your your floor level. No, no, that's no, that's not it. That's B. This is not. This can't be it. Okay. Oh, that's oh, for a Jason oh, Aldean show. You don't uh, want that. Times have changed. Probably closer. I think it was probably closer to that. Oh well, just tell me where you were in relation. I mean, honestly, it was probably that section like two oh two. Okay, so your your upper upper level. Upper level. Upper level. Row what? thirteen. Mid level. Yeah. Upper level, final level of the of the place. Yeah. This is back in. Yeah, I was gonna say what year? December nineteenth, two thousand two. Still carrying around this in my pocket, by the way. Craziness. At all times, I've got this just to remember. In one year, that ticket stub could drink beer. Um, or two years. Sorry. Uh, I bet you paid forty-five bucks. Well, that's not too bad. Thirty-seven fifty. Thirty-seven fifty. Probably with Ticketmaster charges, you're probably close to forty-five bucks. Yeah, forty. Yeah. I remember that. Just I remember it being a lot of money for the four of us to go see Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond. I was think he was, an ant on a stage? Ish. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. We had we had tickets to go see Simon and Garfunkel. It was a it was a birthday present for my parents. They got us. Simon and Garfunkel tickets in Chicago at a very intimate venue. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is a great, thank you. This is an incredible birthday present. That's yeah. awesome. And then our Garfunkel and Simon and Garf, or Simon, uh, Paul Simon was like, yeah, fuck it. We're not doing that. And you're like, shit. <laughs> and so we're like, I didn't have a birthday present. And my parents were like, well, like, is there another show you want to see? And we're like, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers will be in Chicago. We're like, we'll go see them. And we got completely different tickets for that one. So we got like Nosebleed City. Yeah. Where they, I mean, Ants on a Stage. Like United you know. Center? United <laughs> Center, exactly. Yep. Yeah. We we're, were watching Ants on a Stage because they were last minute tickets. Yeah. You know, it's oh, like sure. Whatever's available. But had a great time. But still, when you go to see people and they're just Ants on a Stage, it's not, again, going back to the experience that people had, like watching Bullet or French Connection or anything like that. You're, right. You're not. Uh, you're you're not experiencing it the way that a lot of people saw it. Like when sure, sure, you on an off chance saw Bob Dylan play at a fucking cafe. Yeah, you know, with like fifty people. You know, and it was crazy. It just really like lit it, up the whole room and probably life changing. Right? Yeah, I remember. Uh, I was I was lucky enough. Uh, probably in two thousand nine, going back to Paul Simon. Um, mm-hmm. He did a show. He did a a, a a set of shows in Chicago. Um. He did two at the Chicago Theater, big venue, but he did uh, he did a show beforehand before all that for maybe two thousand people, maybe oh like super small venue. My uncle got tickets. He's like, and again, poor musician at this time. He's like, find a way to get to Chicago, man. 
I got tickets. All right. Like, oh yeah. I'm like, cool. Awesome. And I have no idea. I mean, I don't even think, honestly, I don't even think it was over a thousand people that were at that show. Whoa. And it was Paul Simon full band. And I've seen Paul Simon after uh, since. And I'm like, it's, it's not nearly close. It can never get close to the experience that I had. That's interesting. Where I'm four rows deep amongst, I mean, I can go to the bathroom, grab a drink, come back and get my spot where I can, again, see nose hairs of Paul Simon. Yeah. And there's no change. And it's this full band. It's magical. Like It, it, it was, it was an, an incredible experience. So when I see him at another venue or another festival or anything like that, I'm like, oh, this just pales in comparison. Right. And it should. And it, it should. should. Right. Because here's here I have I've been lucky enough to have this experience that. You know, not a lot of people this day and age get to right. have, right? Right. I mean, they get it with other things. Other things happen where, have you ever been in, a, have you ever been at a, just even a, a, seeing a movie, seeing a, a play, seeing a musical, seeing a musical performance or anything like that, that's not well known where you're like, this is, this is something special. No. I'm witnessing something special. No. Never? Never. Uh, no, I mean, I really no, well, once again, my problem, I enjoy like anytime I'm doing stuff for the most part, I'm enjoying and having a good time. So I, I don't, I've got too much of a sunny disposition, man. I mean, I've been saying this for years. I, I don't like, I remember going to shows and I remember enjoying them. I don't think I've walked away and said, holy shit, I can't. No, oh my God. Like this changes, this changes everything. Well, the changing everything. I mean. I get what you're saying about like my outlook on this is completely different than it was before. Just that you experienced something special that you like. I just got to experience something that no one, no one else really gets to experience or witness something. Maybe that's a hidden gem, a a hidden secret. I mean, don't get me started. We'll get you started on hidden gems. But Uh, yeah, um, so I remember. So my like my the best man in my wedding. He was in a band called Brian Jones. And it was like their last show. Mm-hmm. And they played, I'm trying to remember who, the, the band who opened for them, they're a pretty good, almost thrash metal group. And then the guy who closed, the, the band who closed it was um, a wonderful Minnesota band called Plastic Constellations. And mm-hmm. and I really only knew them because of my roommate slash best man. And just, he played, and he'd play their albums. And I'm like, oh, these guys are, and they're good. Mm-hmm. And being able to watch them and see them, uh, it was it was really, it was really good. Who, who's the other one? There was another band that night called the Early Risers, and I mean it was a very interesting. And I've tried to like look this band up and just get a little bit of sound because they were in Oregon, Oregon, in Oregon, <laughs> a Oregonian banjo. Oh, in Oregon, Oregon. Gotcha. In Oregon, a, a a banjo and a bass clarinet. Uh, I mean, a bass saxophone. Okay. And it was just the most interesting fucking sound. Instrumental. Instrument. In, instrument. And they and they like they almost played everything double speed. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, these guys are just just super. So you kind of witnessed it. I yeah, mean, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't have to be. They, the bands don't have to go on to become tremendously successful you're just witnessing a time it was yes because you played that what was the plastic constellation song uh you played for uh, me let's war let's, let's war. war i love that song it I, was really good i mean it's a really good song. i played that and if you haven't had a chance to listen to it look it up yeah let's war plastic constellations it's fantastic 
It's fantastic. They're, I mean, they're a fun band. But that 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 band reminded me of a band uh, again where uh, that I saw when I was playing in bands and stuff like that that would come through called the Heavenly States. They're from Oakland, hmm. originally from Minneapolis, um, but they would come through, and I remember we would go see them. Maybe twenty people in the whole fucking place. But those is that like Gabe's? Or? No, I mean this was this was down at some of the the venues in town and everything like that. But we go down there, be twenty people. But those twenty people were in the front of the fucking stage, yelling lyrics, like going crazy for it That's and everything awesome. like that. And some of the best experiences, some of the best memories I have, like they would do like multiple shows a weekend. They would do like Saturday, Sunday nights and stuff like that, like two shows. Weird. And again, it'd be, it'd be twenty, maybe thirty people. But the, everyone that was there was there to see that band. And that's so electric. It's so fun where you're like, I could tell people to go see that band. If, you know, if they're mm-hmm. touring, go see that band. Oh, you'll love it. Yeah. Right. It sure. may not be that experience, though, that yeah. I experienced when I was there when I saw those 20, 30 people right. going nuts. Right, right, right. You know, so everything is subjective to your time and place and stuff. But it's so it's so ener- interesting how much energy that that feedback loop between the audience and a band is it's mm-hmm. just it's so interesting just how they can you feed and it is there is it's a feeding it's it's not a feedback loop is a great a, <laughs> a great uh, analogy for it i mean honestly i mean that's i mean that's just what it is there is something about performing uh in front of people and just there is an unspoken energy mm-hmm. that is that is between two people mm-hmm. i just it's so interesting and so I would say for a lot of people, they don't know it. I mean, they know what it's like to get a decent zinger in a meeting. Um, and, as, and, and, oh, and, as, and, as far as being on the stage side yes, of it? Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. And, and getting that little bit of... Mm-hmm. But they don't understand like just how much it is to be... Not not in control. I mean, to control that feed bu- feed that loop. Yeah. Is just that, to be on the reception side of that feedback loop, I would imagine would be yeah. the... The insanity. I mean, the bands I played in, we've we've had positive experience or positive uh, uh, feedback and everything like yeah. that. But I could imagine, you know, like when I saw like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at uh, Bonnaroo and everything, and that and then we were much closer. We were not; they were not flies on or uh, ants on the stage and everything like that. Mm. But that that was that was two three hours of feedback loop. Same thing when we saw Paul McCartney. And everything sure, like that like same thing of. Everyone knows this song. Everyone's giving you, you know, a hundred times back what you're yes. giving out. So yeah. whatever you give out, they're going to give a hundred percent back, you know, which is insane. Obviously rarefied air that you're, you're dealing with in those situations. Yes. But it doesn't mean you can't have it in smaller case samples or sample sizes and everything like that. So right. where it can happen with 20, 30 people in a room, you know, where you can, yeah. that's what I get from that plastic constellation song. Let's war. Like that becomes, an idea of like, I don't care if there's 10 people in that fucking room. If those 10 people want to go fucking nuts and go crazy right, with that song, right. you're going to create that same atmosphere yes. when you get a hundred thousand yeah. people seeing Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. Yeah. It, it's, it's a weird uh, environment that's created. Yeah. And it can be created with as little as 10 people and as many as you can fucking imagine, you know, I, it, it's so, it's so interesting. And, and when people talk about electricity in the air, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, and yeah. I remember we, uh, so 
one of my better scalping experiences was uh, when we went to we went to Lollapalooza and we saw uh, the Foo Fighters. I, have I told you about this one? I mean, I, maybe I, I, don't, I know. don't know. But anyway, you've got so many stories, Bobby. So many stories. So many. So many scalping stories. So many Foo Fighter stories. Apparently, wow, jeez. He never fucking bought the pizza. Um, <laughs> but we went and we we saw, we got drenched at Lollapalooza. We we, mm. we had this whole. Thing again, we had having zero money. The scalper ended up like helping us out and finding us tickets because we we ended up buying one off him, and then we but we needed another ticket. And then we explained our situation to him. He's like, "All right, all right, I got you, I got you, I got you." So he like basically like brokered a deal <laughs> for us to find. Like we told him the amount of money we had to spend on tickets, and he's like, "Okay, I'll give you a deal." And then hold on, I'm gonna find somebody else. I'm gonna find deal. somebody else. And then like. <laughs> 10, 15 minutes later, he's like brokered a deal with another scalper. This guy, this guy. I'm going to hit you back on next time. Next yeah, week. it's like, this, we're going to do this. this, this. We're going yeah, to move these assets around here. And then, yeah. okay, all of a sudden, I'm going to sell these over here. And then, yeah. okay. So we yeah, ended up getting the tickets. You Halliburton stock here. And I got that there going there. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. And I'm going to pick you up uh, for your dog appointment next Tuesday. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just let these guys in, okay? So, Done. And then it happened. And we're like, oh, fucking great. Like, we literally gave the money, like our money to this dude. And like, I'm like, here you go. I'm like, go find us a ticket. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll do, I'll do it right by you. I'm like, all right, all right, cool. Awesome. Just trusting the world stupidly. <laughs> and it worked out. Um, yeah. yeah. So we get into Lollapalooza. We see like four songs of the cars again, where I'm like, awesome. So Excellent. happy. I saw the cars. Yeah. All right. Then a torrential downpour like just happens where there's no place to hide in grand park at all. And I'm sure. probably like a week or two into having an iPhone for the first time ever. Uh, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I did not plan for this at all. And so we're hiding under a very young tree. <laughs> like, stupidly, just, it's just, <laughs> it's not doing anything. It's just more for the facade of, you know, hide under a tree to somewhat say. Maybe. Maybe. So when it stops raining, it's gonna we're bring just, it down by 10%. Yeah, we're just drenched in everyone. Yeah. Everyone's drenched. They stopped shows, everything like that. Like, the show, whole thing just stopped. And we're like, fuck. Jesus, we just spent all this money to come in. Now we're just drenched, yeah. like cold and everything. And uh, so the Foo Fighters play later on in the night. Everyone kind of dries up and the show gets back on the road. But again, another storm system comes through, like maybe two or three songs into the Foo Fighters set. Yeah. And so we're just in this huddled mass of people. It's all mud. Everything's mud. And we're in, we're in the set. And then they start playing My Hero. Uh, are you familiar with their song, My Hero? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Watch him as he goes. So, uh, what's that, what was that used for? Probably a number of things. Yeah, yeah, a lot probably. But uh, so as it's as it's going, as it's starting to do it, that's when the rain just it's starting. It's raining now. It's it's yeah a, a storm. Roadies are covering up everything. They're covering up all the monitors. Yeah, I'm like the band's gonna stop playing the fucking songs. Like there's just no way. Like it's it's legit raining. Don't give good. They give were going. they were they were recording the entire show. So like they had the cranes going throughout the uh, throughout the uh, audience and stuff as well. All that shut down. Everything shut down, and it was the loudest I've ever heard a group of people like sing a song. Like they were drowning out the band with ease and everything. And it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had where everyone's just getting rained on. It it was all happening. Everyone's getting drenched. They shut down like the Titan Trons and they were like the, you yeah, know, yeah. everything. So all you could see was the band on the stage and everything like that. They just kept playing it. And I was like, this is the one of the coolest fucking experiences 
ever. And it talked about electricity in there. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was palpable. And apparently there's some video out there. I haven't, I haven't ever seen, there's video of the show, but I've never seen video of them playing my hero. But uh, it was one of those things where the electricity in the air really overtook everything else. Yeah. So. That's pretty, that's pretty nice. But again, I could tell you to go see the Foo Fighters. It'll be a great show. It's like, it's not going to be it's the same. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be the it's same. It's not going to be that. Yeah. That's not, that's not going to happen. Yeah. That was my experience. The, the thing is, so that's, impo- the, the thing is, that's impossible to bottle, you know? That's the beauty of it. I mean, here's the, right? Isn't that the beauty? If of I'm, you know, I've had this idea of like selling, you know, uh, time travel, yeah, time travel bits, right? Mm-hmm. The number of people who are going to be disappointed when they take that time travel trip to that experience, I'm guessing it's going to be. I, I'm guessing it's going to be more than. Where most. does that start, though? Where does that time travel start? Because if it starts at the beginning of having no money to get into it, that was a victory within itself. Oh, maybe. Well, part of that no, part of that experience was the ups and downs of getting to it. But if you're a time traveler, that you know that's going to be but, predestined. You know, that's going to. Uh, no, I mean, not necessarily. No, you, you go, you go find Rocco over here. You slip him this twenty bucks or whatever it was. You know, back in it's like a hundred and eighty dollars. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, you know, Rocco, he's going to set you straight. Don't, and that's what you do. No, 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 no. I mean. If you're doing like a Westworld style scenario, where, that's what I'm looking. But at. that's where it's a choose your own adventure. Because part of the reason why that moment for me was so good was because there were so many times before we even got into the festival where I was like, "This isn't fucking worth it. Let's just not do it. Like it's just uh, not. Let's just not." Because like we took the wrong way to like get to the main entrance to where all the scalpers were. So we had to like literally walk around all of Grand Park that to get to. Awful. So there was a number of times where I was like. Eh, let's just fuck it. Like, fuck it. Who cares? Like, let's just, let's just let's go not. get a bottle of five o'clock. Let's just vodka. do something yeah. else. Never would we do that. But yeah, like, let's just do something else. But all those times. And then, then the regret of like getting in and then getting rained on. We we're like, oh, we just paid all this fucking money. Now we're just wet and fucking broke. Don't have yeah. shit to do. And damn it. Why the fuck did we do this? And then we get a great experience. Like if you're selling the if you're selling that experience if you're selling like hey, you're gonna go here. These... But if it's predestined, I mean, if it's pre-planned out. But that's on your business model of selling time travel. That's if it's pre-planned out. It's well, maybe that is maybe that, that's part of it where your you're adventure. Like, where it's like, all right, hey, you get to go see Foo Fighters. You know, you could go see Foo Fighters. No, it's like you're, the plan is to go see Foo Fighters. The plan is, and then you get all the ups and downs. Yeah. Along the way, yep. but you can't say there's going to be a lot of ups and downs along the way. Well, it's like an escape room. You're like, here's, you're in the escape room. Like you can, you can get out or not, but it's up to you. Right. I think that's your selling. I think that's your like. The problem is the incentive for when, when the time you, travel selling. When you come doing. up to Gerald with your 180 bucks and you're a fucking prick. He's not going to be nice about it. And then he's not going to help you get that other ticket. So maybe one of you gets a good experience. And then, well, the problem is that then it doesn't work. Yeah. And then you're fucked. Yeah. And now you're stuck in 19, I mean, 2003, yeah. 2000, Nine. Uh, 2009, whatever. whatever. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you're standing outside of a fu- and getting fucking rained on and then you're just exploring, I don't know, LA and Chicago, Chicago, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. I don't know where it's at. It's in Chicago. I don't hang out. But that's, but I think I'm not to, again, shit on 
your original ideas that you're having about yeah. time travel. Because my, uh, my other one was like a Coke-filled key party in 1970s Aspen. Yeah. The, the, you yeah. don't you don't sell that with a predestined uh, like end. Right. You right. said you said you're going to go to Aspen in 1970. No, but it's no, no. I think it's like because that's what the problem is that only assholes take that. You're gonna go to a coke. I, I you're gonna am go an to asshole, a, so I guess you're gonna yeah, go I to a, take that. And it's gonna be a. Could I try it? Yeah, coke laden uh, key party back in 1970s Aspen. Yeah, I'd take that. Yeah, I'd do that time travel. There's, I mean, there's enough people. So the, the so the original concept of the, with the movie was that it's a movie or a business. It's a movie. Oh, because get this, time travel is not real. So now, if you don't believe in it, yet, yet, yeah. Uh, so the whole concept would be to, um, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy into this, like experience. Because mm-hmm. that's not an experience I'm going to be able to have mm-hmm. any other time. Yeah, and then you you would have some kind of uh, what's the word I want to say not not uh, like a sherpa not, not not concierge not sherpa what's the what's uh, not uh, like a George Carlin yeah who's like there to help you along yeah. right um, but for some reason. What's the, what's the word I wanted? Like a docent? Is that the... A docent? I've never heard of that one. You know, whoever's there to uh, help you with a... Uh, concierge? A, it's more concierge than it is a docent. A, a docent is like someone who like helps at a... Uh, like at a museum. Okay. Like, hey, this is how you... Mm-hmm. And not a curator. Not a curator, but someone who like helps escort you around. Mm-hmm. I think you're thinking of a George Carlin type. I mean, it's sure. really a Bill and Ted's George Anyhow, Carlin type. But that Bill, that uh, George Carlin character, like, sets you up for a murder. <laughs> well, well, in your movie, in the mo- in the movie, I'm going strictly business. Yeah. I'm going strictly business. We can workshop the movie. Yes. off off podcast. But. Yes. No. So the movie, mm-hmm. George Carlin character, uh, sets you up for a murder, and uh, here you are. You're stuck in 1970s Aspen, Colorado. You have no clue. I mean, you're 50 years plus removed mm-hmm. from this scenario. How would you... I mean, honestly, it's like, hey, I'm going to throw you in the Old West right now. Fucking survive mm-hmm. when the sheriff's after you for murder. I would, I would rather the sheriff be after me, though, than in the old Wild Wild West or be framed for murder back in the 70s than now. I mean, don't uh, you think? Yeah. I mean, getting away with murder back then, or I mean, especially in the Old West. But it's a manhunt. It's a, I mean, it's a manhunt. Everyone's after. You maybe there's some social commentary because it's a person of color. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> or maybe you flip it on set and it's a white guy. You know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, not the end of the day. Oh, this could be bogus. Uh, I mean, no, not really. But I was just saying, like, <laughs> and just saying that because his wife showed up. No, I'm just saying, like, it's uh, it's one of those things where, like, it, you could, you could flip it on its head. You could totally. I don't know. I mean, it's. But I'm. I'm. What the, I'm. The idea. The idea. I, I love. <clears throat> the, so there's fish out of water as mm-hmm. a concept. Yeah. And then there's man out of time, like that is a, that is a subsect of fiction. Yeah, we have a whole podcast about it. Oh, we do. Yeah. Oh shit! It's like episode three. <laughs> it's called man out of time. You should listen. <laughs> yeah. I. 
the idea of being a man out of time in the 1970s while being wanted for murder is... But give me that any day of the week versus being a man wanted today of murder. Oh, no, yeah. I wouldn't want to be wanted today. I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't. Like, I say that. If I, I have the choice of like being wanted in the 70s versus now. Yeah, right. Let me it's slip like, down and uh, shave my beard and then... Just go by a different name. Let me just slip town and shave in my beard. Pay cash for everything for the rest of my life. Well, because that's just what, what it is. is. Yeah, what you did. Like, oh no, no, get this, get this. No, he came in and he and he rented a hotel room and he paid for cash. Oh, oh, you mean like every other, other fucking person? <laughs> now that might be your movie. <laughs> that might be your movie where this now a guy <laughs> who's ch- charged with murder in the present day. Goes back in time, takes your <laughs> takes your time travel business, goes back in time, and then the cops from today's day to, like, goes back too, and they go back and track him down. It's like, well, does he have his credit card records? Like, what the fuck are you, what are you talking, talking about? about? He's cash. Well, what well, oh. didn't he use? A, he, he let, let him just have a fucking hotel room without a credit card. Okay, guys, we need to sweep this room for DNA evidence. Okay, guys, we got That's your you, movie. You, you got it, guys. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. What we can match his like his match his blood type. You mean test his blood type? Like what? I don't. I don't understand. I don't see any blood at all. There's no blood here. Friend. There's like a can of tomato juice on right, the bed. Right. Okay. So you wanted me to wait to see if this woman's pregnant first, and yeah. then you mean this boss? And he like holds it up. <laughs> He's like, "Don't touch that, Jesus, fucking Christ!" Yeah. Let's just. That's your movie. That's can we compare movie. his? fingerprints to everybody else's uh like who's yeah like uh, uh i gotta sit here and look at them all because that takes a while boss my nearsightedness is getting real bad yeah. that's your movie that's the movie is mm-hmm. a, a, a guy's a, like a funny mind hunters like meets, a, uh, uh meets a quantum leap meets quantum leap <laughs> yep yeah and that's that's the elevator pitch Okay, here I am. I'm coming with all my 21st century knowledge of how things work. Mm-hmm. This is like, but um, I have to learn how to work within the 1970s world. All as the well. limitations. This would be so much easier if I could just test their DNA. What do you mean, like? Can you give this guy a call? Well, I don't have a phone. Like, there's like, not a phone in this room. Hold on, I can radio Geraldine at yeah. back at the office, and she can. Yeah, she run his plates, maybe. Maybe, but, but uh, you know, DMV's closed. It's after five. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's. Do you guys want anything to drink? Uh, yeah, I'll just take a water. I mean, whiskey and water, or like, what do you want? Like, uh, no, no I, just, like, I just want water. So water, but how much booze do you want in your water, though? I mean, yeah. Don't you just have like a bottle of water? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, we, there's tap water. I I've mean, got Schlitz and Blatz on tap. Yeah. Is I, that what you want? Yeah. I, we have bottled a Budweiser, I guess, if you want it. But, I mean. Oh, that's extra fancy. Yeah. Get out of here. Like, Don't even get me started. Coors Light. Ooh, what's Coors? That's that's the that's your movie. Love a, I love a good man at a time. I love uh, a and good I do, too. I do, too. We have a whole, nice whole podcast about it because I do agree where it's it's a fun thing. But that's that's, I think, your idea of a. A business, it's twofold. That's a business. Yeah, I mean, that's twofold. a business. If you could just get on, you know, time travel. Time travel. Okay. You can sell that. The I, but my, if, before that, though, just make a yeah, movie about it. My thing was always like, and there would always be that person to Sherpa. You know, yeah, Sherpa, shepherd you. 
I think it's a Sherpa that you're thinking of. Through uh, through everything. And the idea would be that, the, you know, they would start like, okay, this person's, we're going to wait here for half an hour. And every time a new person goes back in time, time, it just resets. So okay. that person wouldn't have to sit there and live through a hundred fucking iterations of the same assholes well like different n- assholes trying to like work well, their i way think you're looking at like a 12 hour period i mean i really think like if you're if you're sending back no no but 24 but, hours no they like uh no sure i'm not I'm, I'm talking about the 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 employee the employee doesn't have to do a kind of oh. a, a kind of a groundhog day situation Correct. well that's AI. Wouldn't wouldn't that be? I mean, wouldn't time travel at some point? I don't be know. AI? I mean, let's figure out time travel. Yep. Let's, like let's right just, now? Yeah, let's just do it. I mean, because really, because like some element of time travel would have to just be a simulation. And there's the whole simulation theory. I well, don't believe in that. And that's fine if you don't. But in in the context of time travel, though, that's that would be a way to have time travel. Sure. Technically, would it be the time travel that we, you know, we think of like going back to exactly 1970, you know, April 1970? You're thinking something more like the holodeck on Star Trek. Sure. <laughs> Where, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, like or a Westworld, you know, AI, fictional, not yeah, fictional. I, but I don't know. I only watched the first season of Westworld and I hated it. Me, me too. I did the same thing. Did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Only watched. I, I barely get through it. No, like I thought there was because. The, at no point could I ever fit in. Once again, may, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. I think that I'm a somewhat intelligent person. At no point could I figure out how Westworld worked. Like, oh, this is a living, breathing thing. But at the same day, at every single fucking time, somebody's falling off a horse or like bumping into a mm-hmm. gunslinger in the middle of the street. Right. It's at a choose-your-own-adventure. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. But that has limitations or has like a directive sure. or has an agenda right. basically. But you know, I have, a, I have the option of getting on a horse and riding off to the middle of nowhere or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Li- literally living in the world. Right. And that, that to me, this is coming off game of Thrones and everything too, where mm-hmm. I did the same thing with game of Thrones and I was happy. I did it. Like I'm not watching this season by season. I'm going to wait till this is stock piled four oh, or five seasons. Yeah. And then I'm going to get into it because it's it's one of those things that's impossible to it's so dense and it's it's so full of detail that if I watch one season and then I let, let for any amount of time to go by, I have to rewatch that first first season before I can get back into that second yeah. season and in, in with every subsequent season after that. So I knew from the get go, I was like, nope. And Norton with Westworld more so even than Game of Thrones, I couldn't go. I couldn't watch an episode. And then yes. just wait a couple of days and then watch the second episode. The be week like, to week wait thing. a second. What, what's going on? Right. It that just, was hard. That pissed me off a yeah. lot. And at no point have I ever in this past five years said, man, you know what I could really do? I could really rewatch that first season of Westworld again. I could, I could watch the entire series right now of Game of Thrones and just yep. go to, go to town. Mm-hmm. I could rewatch the original Westworld for probably the third time or fourth time or mm-hmm. whatever. I think it's the, the concept I, I enjoy. Yes. And, but, that, but my point is, is like what they were going with, with not necessarily time travel, but artificial reality or virtual reality or anything like that. 
I think if you had, if you could incorporate that into time travel, if that's what your version of time travel was, that yeah. that's how you could get not only your your business not an off actual the ground, time space continuum disruption. Yeah, just kind of subvert that, and then you just create a virtual reality. I mean, we're already heading there anyway, so. I'm just giving you guys spitball ideas, you know, to kind of work on. Or maybe you that's... You keep your spitball into yourself. That's sir. maybe how you that's write it in to uh, your movie. Instead of having to explain the time space oh, to anyone. That's a fucking... Oh, boom. That's a fucking concept right there. You ready for this? Here we go. As long as I get credit for it. You are... You are, as the client, are mm-hmm. sold the bill of goods that this is an AI simulation. Mm-hmm. And you're pushed back to time, right? The end of time. Yeah, not the end of time, but you're pushed uh-huh. into your time stream. And, it, oh, it's just an AI simulation and things go off the fucking rails. You're like, you know, fuck it. It's fine. I'm going to go. I'm going to just run until I run out of space, right? Mm-hmm. The simulation, it's a simulation. If I get into this Ford F-150 right now, and I jump into this car. Eventually, I'm going to Truman Show crash into a dome building, right? The, the, theoretically. Theoretically, right? But they actually cracked the code. And you actually were sent back in time. <laughs> and, and, and you're really, at yeah. every step you're fucking taking is really a, a, a butterfly effect. A butterfly effect changing the <laughs> world that you're in. Sound of thunder. You're really yeah. fucking shit up. And not only are you getting chased by the cops by detectives in 1970s Aspen, but also like all the time cop situation <laughs> that gets created as you keep going further well, like, and further. Oh my, like every, Terminator situation. Right. And it goes from just like guys and gorilla guys and like, you're the, setting up a franchise. It seems like you're getting chased by dudes like in, uh, you know, full body armor. Right. I'm going to create and, a name. Hold to, on. And then we're going to call this pass bin. Oh, oh, no thanks. Hard pass. <laughs> and then, like, you're getting chased. Like, lay- then as you've continued to fucking change shit up, then you're getting chased by mech suits, guys. And then just, like, past stri- spin. Just straight up guys and, di- like, straight up dinosaurs, like, are chasing after you as well. It's a whole thing. Yeah. And it becomes, like, Terminator, kind of. Everyone's yeah. coming back from the future. Everybody's coming. That's where to- past spin. Really Everybody's comes. coming to get you. Yeah. And at the end of the day. Paspin is the name of that movie. Fuck you. This could be a podcast. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts uh, and also Spotify. And we are on Twitter at TCBA underscore podcast. Uh, Nathan, they can also check us out on. We're on the Facebooks. We're on the YouTubes. YouTubes. I, I mean, honestly, anywhere that you can imagine somebody would want to listen to two dudes talking right we're there for the most part i think we try to be i mean we're trying but also due to the limitations of my warrants i do have to be somewhat cognizant of where saudi arabia's you know jurisdiction lies and for that we thank you so have a great night (laughs) 